And this is Liquid Gold. All right, where the corn will be knee-high. By the time we get to 4th of July, this is another special Garden Teened episode of Liquid Gold. Right here on We Own This Town podcast network, weownthistown.net. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today, and your host that's been here with you throughout this Garden Teened adventure that we've been doing, being stuck at home, turning our attention to the garden and some of the... Some of the friends that pop up, like dandelion, violets, honeysuckle, wood sorrel, these lovely little botanicals that come up while we're trying to plant a garden. And last time we talked a little bit about corn and the three sisters and companion planting. Got a lot of great feedback about that episode, so thank you so much. You can email us at liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Is that an airplane flying over my house? It's a trash truck. You can also find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. And you can find me, Mike Wolf underscore garden to glass on Instagram. And I want to throw a shout out to producer Michael Eads and everybody at We Own This Town. Upright T-Rex music for the tunes and Jess Matchin, the lovely artist who does all this beautiful artwork for us on the Instagram and the Garden Teened artwork. That's been a lot of fun. So uh, thanks to Jess. Now, yeah, we talked about corn a little bit last time. We're going to continue on with some... uh, We've got a cool corn cocktail to talk about later with Kelly Gable from Josephine Restaurant and Bar. They are getting ready to slowly kind of reopen some of the places here in Nashville. So we'll be talking to Kelly a little bit about some of her curbside cocktails and what she's been up to during this whole madness and how she's been uh, dealing with it, doing uh, kimono time with Kelly on her Instagram. So we'll talk to her about some of the cool cocktails she's done with that and some of the curbside offerings at Josephine. And before we get into our interview with Kelly Gable... For Garden Teen today, we're going to be talking a little bit about composting and fertilizing and how they can be one and the same, and also some of the just everyday things around your yard, around your house that you can use to get some compost going and start a compost pile. And while you're waiting for that compost to turn into black gold, you've also got some resources to get compost here around town in Nashville. And if you're not in Nashville, there's uh, probably a farm nearby where you can you can get some compost or there's nurseries where you can get compost. There are now there are so many uh, urban compost companies that you can sign up for. There's Compost Nashville here in Nashville, but uh, you can sign up with them. You set aside your scraps. They come pick it up and they turn it into compost. Pretty cool. We can also talk about today how you can start your own compost situation at your house, for your garden, in your backyard. There's uh, a bunch of different ways to do this. You can buy these compost cylinders that, that you turn like the wheel on uh, Price is Right. That's what I always think of. Um, there are top loader compost bins. Those are really easy because the, the compost comes out of the bottom. You load your scraps into the top. There are things that you're going to need to to really make this compost work. So we'll talk about how to kind of structure your own compost pile. You can turn, say, a small corner of your backyard into your little compost bed situation if you're not going to use one of those compost compost tumblers or 
a composting top loading situation. Some things that you can get started with composting in your house, some everyday things, coffee grounds and eggshells. Those are great to get your compost going. The garden loves those things. That's something I talked to Tom Maddox about from Carter Creek Microgreens when I was getting my compost going a few years back. And I interviewed him for the book, my book, Garden to Glass, Grow Your Drink from the Ground Up. There's a great interview with Tom in there where we talk about composting. And he mentions how he learned that from his parents using the coffee grounds and the eggs. And that's just a good start. Then you've got your food scraps. And if you are planning on using that compost as soon as you can, as soon as everything can break down, one thing I've learned is instead of throwing these big hulks of cauliflower and broccoli and some of these bigger food scraps that you might have, say you're breaking down root vegetables, some of those things are not going to break down too fast. So you may want to chop those up. And anything that is sort of chopped up, coarsely ground up, anything from your yard waste to your uh, kitchen scraps, the more broken down it is, the quicker it will turn into that black gold that we're after. So that's something to think about as you're putting your food scraps in. You don't want to just throw one huge stalk of broccoli into your compost. It might take longer to break down. If you're not as worried about that, then that's fine. But uh, that is something to think about. You want to break down some of your kitchen scraps to make the compost happen faster because we're all impatient, right? Some things you don't want in your compost from the house, you don't want your dog or cat helping you out with your compost. I'll just say that. You don't want to use their waste for your compost. And you don't want to throw like your chicken bones in there. That'll just invite unwanted pests. Uh, you don't want to throw meat scraps really of any kind in there. You're looking for your kitchen scraps as in plant-based kitchen scraps. You can throw orange peels and lemon peels. You want to probably limit the amount of citrus. If you're just having like daiquiris every day, you probably want to limit the amount of citrus that is going into your compost bin. But really anything natural plant-based scraps is just fine. You can throw your paper scraps. You can throw hair scraps. If your dog or cat sheds like mine do, you can throw that in your compost pile. That will that will break down really easily as well. And some other things you don't want in your compost, fish scraps, uh, glossy coated paper, coal ash, any sawdust, bread products you really don't want in your compost, cooking oil, any disease plants that you're pulling out of the ground, you don't really want to throw those into your compost. Uh, coated paper, and uh, as we said, meat products, but also dairy products, you probably don't want in your compost bin either. Now, some other good things that are good to put in your compost. The avocado skins, uh, those can be really good. Grass clippings and tree leaves and all that yard waste that if you're pruning your hedges outside or if you're pruning a bush... These add nitrogen to your compost, and that is vital. So some of this yard waste is key as long as this is not uh, diseased yard waste or you don't have you know spotted mold on your uh, bushes outside. You don't want to use those. And cardboard as well. You break down a little bit of cardboard, you can put that in your compost bin, and that can help as well. And a lot of what you're looking for in your compost is to get the balance right between basically brown and green or things that are decaying and things that are fresh and can add 
uh, nitrogen and moisture back to the equation. You can also hose down your compost pile. That really helps to break things down. You can put a tarp over it to sort of help keep pests out, but also to help keep the moisture in there. And if you're doing a big compost pile out in your yard, you want to start with some sticks at the bottom, and that will create a little air pocket that will help air circulate through there and help things break down. So you can also introduce air into the, the equation by taking your hoe or your pitchfork or a shovel and just sort of getting in there and moving this around, getting a little workout in, moving your things around, turning them over, creating some air pockets in there so that your compost breaks down and becomes the healthy black gold that you want it to. So what you're looking for when all this has broken down and you're ready to use this compost, you're looking for the squishy, uh, really dark black, uh, spongy texture of finished compost. It'll be broken up. It'll be soft. It'll smell really nice, actually. It won't uh, smell like the decaying, rotting situation that you had when you started. This is why a top-down compost bin can be really nice because that compost is going to form uh, quickly at the bottom or more quickly at the bottom than it will at the top because that's where things are breaking down. So that's why that can be a good uh, bin to use. And when it comes time to use this compost in your garden and you start thinking about the intersection of these things, compost, fertilizer, mulch, your compost is, is really all those things. If you've got compost, then you've really got all you need. You can side dress your plants, and this is a way of just adding this compost as fertilizer and as a, a nurturer, really, to your plants. Adding these around the surface area of the plants so that these nutrients will seep into the roots, and you don't need to necessarily get them too close to uh, the stalk, the stem, whatever you're adding it to. You're really just kind of setting this around the plant and around your entire garden as as a mulch, as a way to hold moisture in, and as a way to really, and this is the point of composting and the, the reason why you have to have compost to do a garden every, you know, season after season, year after year, is you are adding nutrients back into the soil that the plants then take up those nutrients and they don't always give them back especially plants that use up a lot of nutrients. By the time you've harvested them, you're going to have to add nutrients back to your soil. And that is why composting is so valuable and so important for having a garden. So you can, you can buy compost from nurseries, you can get it from farms, and you can make it yourself. And so just wanted to cover some of the compost things real quick. Hopefully I didn't go over too much stuff, but uh, we can always cover more compost on a future episode of Garden Teened right here on Liquid Gold. Now, we're getting into lawn mowing season where the grass is just going to start growing day after day, and you're going to probably need to mow about five days after you mowed last. Um, and the good thing about that is that gives you some fertilizer to use and a nice mulch to use that you can set around your plants and around your garden to retain moisture, to keep the plants and the roots from getting too hot in some of this heat. So one thing you can do to use your grass clippings is you take your grass clippings and then set them like on your driveway or off to the side somewhere 
in an area where the grass can fully die out. Because if you take the grass right after you've clipped it, and uh, if you take that and put it in your garden, you're probably going to start growing a lot of grass in your garden and not the kind of grass that you want. So take the grass clippings and set them off to an area where they won't grow anymore, where the grass will fully die out and dry out a little bit. And then uh, it's a perfect time to put that in your garden. And that acts as its own fertilizer as well. That grass will break down and it will start feeding those plants with nutrients that the plants need. So that's another thing that you can use for your mulch fertilizing compost situations. Now, if you use, and I've used the Fox Farm organic fertilizers, the liquid fertilizers before, you just have to be really careful with uh, some of those fertilizers because in too high a concentration, a lot of times it is, say, one to two teaspoons per gallon of water. But a lot of times that concentration can be too high. And you'll notice that some of your plants will have fertilizer burn, where they are getting too much of one nutrient, maybe too much nitrogen, too much potassium in one uh, dose of fertilizer. So you just want to be careful and you probably want to go, if it's your first time uh, using that stuff, you want to go lighter than what they recommend on the label. And you want to go about, and we talked about this on another episode, but you want to go half to a third as much if you're dealing with really young plants, when you've got a plant, a squash plant that's just starting out or a tomato plant that you just put in the ground. You don't want to add much fertilizer, liquid fertilizer to those because it's too much nutrients for them to take up at one time. And they might get freaked out and say, hey, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't need this. So that's something to think about there. Now, on the previous episode of Garden Teened here on Liquid Gold, we were talking about corn and some different varieties of corn. This year, I am growing Evergreen, which is a really interesting uh, sweet corn variety going back to 1948. And I'm also growing some Sugar Baby sweet corn. And uh, I'm excited about those, but I will say that corn is obviously vital to making whiskey. And I was researching some different kind of cool varieties that a lot of moonshine distillers have used in eastern Tennessee for years. And if you wanted to grow some of those, they're available. You can find these. So you're looking for yellow dent number one or number two. And there's also a really cool variety that uh, got to be popular and they're still using in Kentucky, Hickory King and Kentucky King. And these are two. And the, these uh, moonshiner corns get really high. They, they grow to be, you know, 12 feet high. I, I even heard 15 feet. I kind of don't believe that. That sounds insane. So those are some fun uh, moonshiner corn. If you, and then there's also a Jimmy red corn and Jimmy red corn, which was used to make whiskey for years in Appalachia. There's a project that high wire distillery out of Charleston that they did. They made whiskey and they also made a malt liquor from the Jimmy red corn and you can find seeds of Jimmy Red Corn out there. And there's also Bloody Butcher Corn, which is a beautiful red corn that has been used for centuries for making whiskey and making moonshine. And so those might be fun to grow um, if you want to grow a corn to dry out and use for cornmeal or potentially make some whiskey from it. We don't know the kinds of projects that we might be faced with come this fall and winter, we might be back in the house. Maybe if we had some corn around, we could make whiskey. Speaking of corn, we've got an interview coming up with Kelly Gable from Josephine. 
I have really enjoyed working with Kelly over the years. I worked with her at Josephine going back a couple years ago and then, or let's see, about a year and a half ago. And then um, my last shift working behind the bar before this all went down, it was totally bizarre. It was about three or four days before things got shut down. But uh, we talk a little bit about that and what she's been up to and uh, some a really cool corn-based uh, old-fashioned that she's doing at Josephine. And that's coming up right here on Liquid Gold, an interview with Kelly Gable. All right, well, as promised here on the show, on the line here in Nashville, but maybe from a little bit of a different zip code, we have Kelly Gable. Kelly is the bar manager, cocktail maker supreme at Josephine here in town, over there in 12 South. And uh, we've got cocktail making history together. We have bartended together over there, and I always enjoy bartending with you. Kelly, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. You know, doing my best. Yeah, we all are, I think. Trying to. So you can find Kelly on Instagram at K-G-J-E-L-L-Y-S. So Kelly, you have been doing some, let me go back a little bit because Kenneth and I, going back to, you know, episode two and three of this show, we found that after like the first three episodes, we were like, you know, we do talk about robes a lot and we talk about (laughs) how (laughs) it's a measure of kind of how well you're doing in life, how long you're wearing a robe each day. It can indicate that you are living pretty well sometimes. Now, (laughs) some people might want to say, no, it's it's not that. But you have been wearing and modeling and uh, talking about some some beautiful kimonos in kimono time with Kelly on your Instagram. It's been a hit of the uh, of the quarantine season here. So, <laughs> so how did that come about? And tell us about your love of kimonos. Well, um, <laughs> the the love for kimonos I've had. For a very long time, I um, all of them are actually uh, from Vietnam. I got them in Vietnam, or friends who went to Vietnam without me brought them back for me. So I have a little collection of them. They look legit. Uh, they are. They are very legit. They were <laughs> like a dollar a piece in the streets of Vietnam. Wow. But yeah, I, uh, I in the summertime, I like walking around in my bathing suit and a kimono. It's they're 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 comfy. And once I had to start going on to uh, unemployment. When the whole pandemic started and a lot of us were out of work, a lot of liquor companies were offering money for making videos, um, making cocktails with their liquors. So I started doing that. I made a decent amount of money and I would say about 90% of that money I ended up donating to some of our back of house team that may have not been able to get unemployment or just people in need. So that was that was fun for me. That's awesome. Um, I was able to wear a kimono, make some drinks, you know, get, it was get fun. my name out there. Yeah. It's a good vibe. Um, one of my favorites that you made on Kimono Time with Kelly was the Emerald Rye Last Word. Right? I yeah. made that on a whim and I was like, oh, that actually tastes really good. <laughs> it makes so much sense with the Emerald Rye and then the Green Chartreuse. So you got, mm-hmm. it's some kind of kryptonite. It's like kryptonite for people who love chartreuse. Mm-hmm, and I do. What were some of your other favorite ones that you did for Kimono Time with Kelly? I was a big fan of, even though it was super simple, I 
had a sponsorship with Jack Daniels and they were, they were super awesome. So I was really happy to work with them through that. Um, it was my favorite video. I rode in on a little tiny toddler roller coaster in a kimono. That's right. Um, but that was a, uh, like a, a floral old fashioned kind of. So I made a, a sweet tea sample and used some, uh, a hibiscus and elderflower bitters. Ooh. Yeah. Lovely. So we can go back and check those videos out on your Instagram. Please do. Kimono time with Kelly. There's recipes and everything. So that was good. That was you were really, you know, adding something to the mix for people that were just scrolling through Instagram looking for, you know, looking for interesting things. That was pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Kimono season is kind of just starting. If it's like kind of bathing suit season. Kimono season never ends. <laughs> All day, every day. Just throw some sweatpants on underneath if you have to. You know, and I, it's so, it's so perfect because... It's been the last, I'd say, two to three weeks where I'm wearing my robe and I'm like, this it's just too warm. It's getting too warm out. I'm out here with the dog throwing the tennis ball in the morning and it's just too much. So I need a kimono. Well, um, you can borrow one if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so what I think is amazing talking to you here on the show is we essentially worked what was my last night working behind a bar in nashville in this i don't know if it was your last night working behind the bar it was a saturday night Mm -hmm. we were working together it was really cool to be back there i was there for two nights straight as things were getting weirder by the by the hour Mm -hmm. we had a really interesting night i think back to it often because i'm like i wonder when's the next time i'm going to be behind a bar with like all these trusting guests because we were we were kind of busier than we had thought we would be Right. We had quite a few guests on the bar. We were making a lot of cocktails. There were even, I remember back to a few like weird handshakes. I do remember shaking two people's hands, but it was like, it was number one, someone I hadn't seen in a long time. It just felt like natural. And once we shook hands, we were like, that was weird. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. And then later someone introduced me to their girlfriend and I hadn't seen him in a long time. He introduced me to his girlfriend, shook her hand, and it was like, oh, whoops, we shouldn't have done that. We both washed <laughs> our hands. But like people were, there was such a weird vibe in the air. It was crazy. It was. And we didn't even know how crazy it would get. It was It was about five to six, seven days later when, um, when like sports leagues started to close down and then restaurants started thinking about closing down. It was like kind of yeah, I think we just before. Yeah, four days later. Yeah. But what do you give me some uh, of your impressions of kind of right at the tail end there? It was interesting, right? It was. It was super weird. That that was actually my last night behind the bar as well. And then I worked brunch the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I left at like eleven thirty or twelve o'clock. It was it was so dead by Sunday night. There was just so much crazy information flying through the air, and I had made one last trip to Target and bought you know. 30,000 pounds of frozen food. And I also bought a 60 inch TV that day too, because I knew I was going to need it. Um, Good call. And after that, that that was the last day I went in. I I just, you know, there didn't seem like it was worth the risk of how much money I would have made. And it was, it was just weird. Very, very weird. It still is. Yeah. 
we had I remember there was uh there was one instance, I think it was the night you and I were working together. There was like a guy who got up with his wife, was like, We have to go. I'm sorry, but we have to go. And it was like before their dinner was coming and we were like, Whoa, that was weird. And then we you know, people like come in with gloves, we start like sanitizing the bar, their bar setup, and we're washing hands like crazy, and it was just like this is getting intense. Yeah, it's wild to think of where it went from there because if you if you back up from that time three days or so and then you go for that next week, the whole world was changing every day from there. Yeah. It was like, you know, by that Wednesday, the NBA was shutting down, all these sports leagues are shutting down, and workplaces are closing, schools are closing. It was just like every day something. It was like, wow, this is, uh, okay, okay, we're going to buckle in. Mm-hmm. I think wild is the term I use the most because it's – it is. <laughs> yeah, I went by, I drove by Rose Pepper earlier today and they have their amazing like uh, billboard situation. Uh-huh. They're bored out there. Today it said, I really miss living in precedented times. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it's like become a very overused word in right. our house is like unprecedented. And you're like, God damn, I can't believe I'm saying that word this mm-hmm. many fucking times. That is unprecedented. So anyway, here we are. We are not quite on the other side of this, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel for some of the restaurants that are opening back up with to-go stuff, Josephine being one of them. And our buddy, uh, Mr. Andy Little, talented chef that he is, and the crew there, which we all know and love. Let me come back to the family atmosphere that's so amazing about Josephine, which is it's kind of unrivaled in uh, many of the restaurants I've worked at over the years, but you got to give a shout out to Andy Little. The guy knows how to make flavorful food, and he is taking this time to do a cheesesteak. Lord. That so sounds good. incredible. <laughs> um, and he's, he's from up north. He, he knows what he's doing with that cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. Anything that came out of Pennsylvania, yep. that guy's ready to crush it. And if I'm not mistaken, the buns are actually being shipped from Philadelphia. Oh, wow. So, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I expect nothing <laughs> less. Legit. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're so good. What uh what else on the food on the food side before we get to the drinks that you're doing for the to-go service? Um what else on the food side is exciting to you over there not to put you on the spot? Oh, you're good. But, um I mean the cheesesteak really is that's that's super exciting. I'm stoked um, about that. It's, it's amazing. It, it blew me away. Um, I'm always excited about our burger. We have a, a duck confit that we're doing to Ooh. go. We have a prime rib that I haven't gotten to try it yet, but just looking at it, it, it makes my mouth water. Um, my personal favorite, being that I am uh, from the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, is our crab dip Whoa. with Martin's potato bun, mini rolls, doused in Old Bay. So delicious. Dang. <laughs> Old Bay is really having a moment. I think it's finally getting the credit it deserves, and people are really digging you know, into I, the Old Bay. I lived here like uh, I, I lived here once before, about eight to ten years ago, and nobody I talked to knew what Old Bay was. And then when I moved back, everyone's like, have you tried Old Bay? I'm like, listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's in my blood. Yeah. Well, you know where I think some people get it from here is when they go down to like Redneck Riviera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go down there and you start to see it. I remember being down there and I was like, God damn, is Old Bay from the Gulf of Florida? And I had to look on a box of it to be like, no, 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 no. 
But I remember they were using it so much down at some of the oyster shacks and stuff down there. But yeah, love Old Bay. Okay. It's so good. I was actually dared once that if I loved Old Bay so much, would I eat a giant spoonful of it? Kind of like the cinnamon challenge that people make you do. And um, I I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. Yeah, that's just wild. It was an experience. That's like saying you like hot chicken here, take some cayenne pepper. (laughs) Well, you know, it is a seasoning. (laughs) You did it like a champion, I bet. Absolutely. So along with the um, killer food that Josephine's going to be offering, there's some there's some really cool cocktails that you're doing to go. You've got an old-fashioned that looks amazing. Tell us a little bit about the old-fashioned that you're doing to go yeah. for all these folks that are coming through Josephine. I have always been really close to the people at Standard Proof, which is a Nashville um, whiskey company. They do naturally infused rye. Oh, yeah. And, Shout out Robert uh, Longhurst. Yeah. Yeah, Robert and I, we worked many wars together behind the bar. <laughs> um, I bet. So um, I wanted to make sure that I used them in uh, in the menu that we're going to be making, which will expand, you know, as we continue through the summer. But um, one of my favorites is their pecan rye, the hickory rye. Yeah. Um, honestly, it has, like, just enough sweetness for someone like me that, that doesn't like a super hot whiskey, mm-hmm. but I'll just drink it straight. But I wanted to use that and pay homage to Josephine. Um, if you've ever been inside of Josephine to the listeners and you see all those um, mason jars of corn everywhere, yeah, that's, um, that's our house made corn. We take corn, we cook it down with um, aromatics and dairy, and then we dry it. So we turn that into cornbread or whatever kind of desserts or meals we're going to do. And so I took that dried corn and rehydrated it and then used the corn water to make a syrup with Demerara. Um, Killer. So, yeah. So it's the Cope's corn, Demerara, pecan rye, a little bit of Angostura, and then just a quarter ounce of sweet vermouth in there to balance her out. Oh, cool. It's like uh, old-fashioned Manhattan hybrid. Yeah. I, know I didn't want to call it Manhattan because it's just such a tiny bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. But it's, it's a it's good bridge in these times. You know? Yeah. Old-fashioned Manhattan. You kind of need both at the same time. Trust me. <laughs> this, this sucks. One in each hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's awesome. And then you're also doing a strawberry cocktail that caught my eye because I love the strawberry yellow chartreuse affinity. It's a beautiful thing. It's basically the strawberry dandelion personified. Um, But Mm -hmm. you've got a strawberry cocktail on there that looks delicious. Thanks. Yeah, so with that, I spent a lot of quarantine reading books. So I took some notes of things that I thought sounded good, and I really wanted to make a sangria-style cocktail um, with Amaro. So I went in and I tried a bunch of different Amari in with um, a red blend, and over and over it tasted great, but it always it tasted way too like spice-forward and fall to mm-hmm. me. So then I was just sipping on the wine, and I was like, this could taste good with strawberries, and I asked Chef to make sure that strawberries were, you know, available. Yeah. We ordered some strawberries and went back through all of my notes and I had a note that said strawberry yellow chartreuse. And I said, oh shit. That's so killer. I just cooked the strawberries down with some sugar, threw some yellow chartreuse, the red blend. And at the end, I just did a little bit of tiki bitters. So it's, uh, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a sangria, but 
It's a strawberry wine. It's like a sangria for people that like cocktails. That yeah. And for, and a sangria <laughs> for people that that are maybe in the industry too. That's like an industry sangria. Yeah, it's a little bit it's like it's not just a basic ass fruity wine, but and it has you know we were talking earlier about how much we love chartreuse. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And chartreuse is so spring to me too, and we're still here mm-hmm. in spring. A lot of vibrant spring vegetables, flowers, herbs, strawberries, you know, all these things still coming out. And chartreuse is so great for that mm-hmm. until until it starts to be 95 degrees every single day. <laughs> yeah, it gives you that, that springy flavor, but it'll still heat you up. It's amazing. Going back to what we were talking a little bit about, there is something so special about Josephine. You have a lot of servers who have been there f- for a long time. A lot of amazing back-of-house cooks, chefs, sous chefs, people that have been there for a while. Um, It's a very community feel there. Um, Absolutely. I've always really enjoyed. I've done a few stints there now, and uh, I've always really enjoyed the people there. And I feel like the crew that I got to work with right before everything got shut down was just like incredible. So tell me a little bit about that's got to be tough you know, it's tough for everyone that is stepping away from the community aspect of the restaurant and bar that they're working in. But the fact that I know what that's like at Josephine and how tight it is, it's there aren't a lot of people in the business, I think, who get to be in that type of situation. I think it's what a lot of people are looking for, but not a lot of people get to actually find that and experience that. Tell me a little bit about how special that is for you and, uh, you know, maybe how kind of how tough that's been not being around those folks. It has. It has been so hard. They really, the the people there really are your family. And, you know, it's not, they're not just the people that you have to spend every day with because that those are the people that you work with and you don't have a choice. You actually want to. Like, even if you're having a bad day and you just don't want to work today, there's a bunch of crap going on you still kind of want to go because you know that you're going to be with people who are going to support you and uplift you and make you feel better. There are some of the most positive rays of sunshine in that building, Abby Walters. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Abby, Jenna, (laughs) uh, Shannon, Gabe, Robbie. Yeah, Jenna. Everyone Uh, is so amazing. And it's, yeah, it's been really tough, but, (laughs) well, obviously. Karen. Hold on, let me just pull out a, a roster here. <laughs> yeah, and then now the people I forgot to mention are going to be upset. I'm sorry. We're we're riffing here. We're riffing. That's funny because before, too, I, I had to text Ellen and I'd be like, give me the exact rundown on how you make Cope's corn so I don't sound like an idiot. Oh, you killed it. I was like, damn, uh, she really knows her Cope's corn. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to make Andy proud. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really has been tough. And we, uh, we have multiple group texts going on and in all different forms of and fashions but my I think my favorite is I believe every female in the building um is in a group text together and it's every single day I had to put it on silent because it it just never stops but we have stayed in touch with each other we do mental health checks with each other we're just constantly communicating to make sure that we're doing okay if we need anything like to tell each other how much we miss each other and even this past week um with the few people that have been uh working it's it's so hard not to squeeze them you know yeah i just want to hug them so bad but the family there really is 
more than you can ask for. And Karen and Andy have made such an amazing foundation for that. They, they really are my, my best friends and my family for sure. Pretty amazing thing uh, and a very special thing to have in the restaurant business. So many restaurants and bars are families and and I've never really seen anything like it, like it is over there. So it's amazing. Pretty incredible. That um, and just shout out to the community of, of bar tenders and hospitality workers through this. It's yeah. That's also been so amazing to me to see how everyone bands together for a greater cause. Definitely. Definitely. It's just it's a business unit and, and an industry you get into to be with people and to be around people and to express yourself and to turn people on and talk about all these things that you love and then to have that just stop out of nowhere for yeah. for so many people is just it's just crazy. I don't feel like the and maybe this is a little bit of uh something that we can pass along to listeners out there. I don't feel like the country in general really understands that of how just how bizarre that is to take one industry and just suck the life out of it mm-hmm. overnight. I think too, I mean, I don't, I don't know if people, maybe some realize and some don't, but even what, you know, restaurants meant to people that uh, don't work in a restaurant, like you, you forgot how much and, or how often we as the workers were there for you all the time and, um, and welcome you basically into our home to take care of you. And I think, you know, that's hit, that's hit hard for a lot of people as well, missing us as their, you know, their therapists and their... (laughs) And their family also. Yeah, you know, the, I'll say one thing about that night that we worked together. Our last night, kind of working together behind the bar, was one thing that really stuck out to me, and I've thought about it a few times since, was the we had those guests that were from New York City. Their daughter lives above Josephine and down a little bit. And they, they were there for like three and a half hours. We had some other guests that were there doing a little bit of dinner. Then they just did cocktails, and they didn't leave. And we had a fair amount of people in there who just, like, if it were me, I might just like, well, you know, during these times, I'm going to go to the bar and get maybe get a bite, but then I'm probably going to split. Mm-hmm. I probably I don't really know if I should be hanging around, but people just couldn't help themselves. They wanted to just be, and that's like, it's like the restaurant and bar business summed up right there. Like, people did not want to leave, even though we knew that shit was getting weird we had mm-hmm. people leaving. Maybe they didn't feel so well. It was just a bizarre situation. But like we had all these guests that just like they hung out. They were doing dessert. Mm-hmm. They were doing cocktail. It kind of blew my mind. I still think about that. I'm like, that's what the restaurant bar thing is all about. These people didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted mm-hmm. to sit there and talk to us. They were they were sitting there talking to us about life and about all these things. And it was it was really cool. But it was also like, you know, we could probably think of a million nights like that if we really tried. But oh yeah, absolutely. That's one of the Zen things about this business is you have to, a lot of times you just got to move on to the next night, you know, no matter how good or bad that night was before you got to like move on to the next one. So it's, it's interesting to me to have that night sort of frozen in time for me. Cause it, Aww. it tells, it tells you a lot about how special the business is. The industry is. Absolutely. Okay. I'm rambling. Um, <laughs> how's your garden? You know what? That's funny <laughs> you asked because I had to do a little little thing with it today. Started out really well because we had that super hot 
couple of weeks early spring and I just yeah. went ahead and planted everything. Didn't remember to cover them when it froze again. <laughs> yeah, we had the freeze so, right before Mother's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Andy Little had to come over and fix them for me and oh, wow. try to revive everything. And we did pretty well. Um, most everything came back, which is nice, and everything's thriving now. But oh, great. I had a mishap. So when I moved into this house a couple of months ago, we had an old bookshelf we wanted to get rid of. And it's like cut into squares. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'll just put all the different peppers and like everything in here. And it's all like, they already have boundaries. So I planted everything in there and I was, I was playing around in the, in the soil the other day and there were termites everywhere. Mm. So today I had to remove this old bookshelf and spray everything in neem oil. And I'm still panicking because I don't want the termites to come anywhere near my house. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we shall see. Well, this is the um, mulch and compost episode of Garden Teen. So if you are, maybe the best tip I could pass along, if you're like mowing the lawn or if Mm -hmm. there's old grass around, you know, set that grass aside, set it in the sidewalk or in the driveway or something, let it, let all that grass totally die. And then that is your comp, that is your compost slash fertilizing friend slash mulch friend. And that could potentially help. That'll help your whole situation there, I think. Awesome. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, cool. Well, um, before we let you go here, I feel like we're going to have to post the painting that Jenna did of you. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was oh a good God. one. I love it so much. I like it. I think it looks better than real life. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. She's so great. Yeah. She's talented. Well, cool. Well, uh, well, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. This was fun, and um, I've gotten more intoxicated than I planned because I'm sitting here shaking and I'm nervous. But you know. Well, you know, Cheers. you got to keep the voice warm, so you kind of have to keep it lubricated. So we get exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, we get that. <laughs> there were a few pauses where I'm just chugging wine. <laughs> oh, the 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 listeners won't even hear that. Oh, good. Be like, well, I think I heard a gurgle. Maybe maybe she's drinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure was. Yeah, that's the liquid gold gurgle. <laughs> the old LGG. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Well, thanks so much, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. All right. We look forward to trying some of your to go cocktails at, at Josephine, the old fashioned, the uh, industry sangria, we'll call it, the strawberry, which yeah. is a strawberry yellow chartreuse amaro concoction. And uh, we can go on your Instagram at KG Jellies, J E L L Y S. On Instagram to find Kimono Time with Kelly and check out the Emerald Rye Last Word, among other really cool cocktails on there. Kelly, thanks a lot. Really best of luck to you through all this and uh, getting through to the other side. You keep in awesome. touch. Thank you. Yeah, and come back in, uh, when we're open. Come, come work a shift. Eventually. I'll be back then. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kelly. All right. Thanks to Kelly from Josephine. We recorded that uh, interview last week and there was some news from the folks at Josephine since then. They are going to be open in a limited capacity starting this Friday, May 29th. They'll be open with uh, social distancing practices, people sitting and keeping six feet apart. And uh, you can can call them at 615-292-7766 or go on Open Table to reserve your spot. 
in the uh, newly reopened Josephine dining room starting this Friday, May 29th. But it was a lot of fun to talk to Kelly about the cocktails that she's got going. You can still take away those cocktails and uh, get some to-go cocktail action in your life. And uh, starting Friday, you can sit in the dining room as well. So shout out to Josephine, the fine folks over there. And uh, we talked about the Copes corn, and they're doing a uh, house-made Copes-style cornbread. So check that out, as well as my perennial favorite, and the one I always recommend to people because it's just phenomenal and is not going anywhere on the menu as far as I know. I hope not. Uh, is the barbecue beef tongue. It's just amazing what they do with beef tongue over there. All right, and now the time has come to turn it over to... Booze News with Kenneth Deadman. All right, we're going to throw it over to Kenneth for a dispatch from the wide open western skies of Northern California. Kenneth, what's going on out there in the world of booze news? What's booze worthy? Hey, Mike. I hope you're doing well. I miss you, buddy. Got a couple of booze worthy stories for you. Let me know what you think. Just in time for the beginning of summer out of Pennsylvania. The Sheets convenience store chain is partnered with Neshaminy Creek Brewery to produce Project Hop Dog. It's a 5.5 ABV India Pale Ale, dry hopped with nugget and centennial hops. And right off the rollers, Sheets Hot Dogs. Convenience store hot dogs, yes, are now an ingredient in your beverages. Why not use those hot dogs to make a dirty martini? Think about it. Um, but if you're going to, be sure you're using Zengen, Z-H-E-N, Gen, a new product out of Singapore. Uh, entrepreneurs Terence Lowe and Mentao, both uh, surfers, uh, noticed, noticed on a surf trip to Taiwan how much damaged rice goes to waste in Taiwan and decided to start distilling it and steeping it with Bhutanese jennifer and Thai coriander. What a great product, since most most gins are steeped with Eastern botanicals anyway, yet considered a Western product. Why can't gin be produced in Asia using all of these Eastern botanicals? Well, thank God they did it. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the Leopold brothers out of Denver, but originally out of, out of uh, Michigan. They basically built their business on using rotten fruits from the local farmer's market and producing, producing eau de vies basically for free. So get behind it, y'all. That's about it, Mike. Miss you. Love you. Can't wait to get back in the studio with you. Peace. All right. Thanks so much to Kenneth Dedman for that enlightening booze news. And thanks for checking in from the road. We look forward to having you back in Nashville real soon, buddy. And uh, thank you for listening today on Garden Teened and Beyond. We'll be touching on more topics from the garden in weeks ahead. We've got a bonus episode that was recorded right before, about two weeks before everything got shut down with Andy Wedge from Momofuku, the bar Wayo out there. And it's kind of a pretty interesting little capsule in time and we will be releasing that episode in june as well as bringing back shots and having some fun with that so lots to come as well as a book announcement from your friends here at liquid gold that is all coming up soon thanks to we own this town we own this town.net shout out michael eads the music upright t-rex music the logo from jess matchin 
And thanks to Kelly Gable and all the folks from Josephine. My name's Mike Wolf. Garden to Glass, grow your drinks from the ground up from Turner Publishing, turnerpublishing.com. It's on Amazon, all those, all that good stuff. You could pick it up from Parnassus here in Nashville. They're doing some curbside pickup as well as the bookshop here in East Nashville. And you can also head to bookshop.org where you can support your local bookstores wherever you are and pick up a ton of just amazing books there. And it appears that my kids are screaming, so that is time for me to wrap it up today. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time on Liquid Gold.